Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 15th episode of Nick's Notes on Slice of Healthcare. I am incredibly excited and feel honored that we have an, a very special guest today, Lee Shapiro, uh, whose name needs almost no introduction in the health tech space, but he was the chief financial officer of Livongo and now is a founding partner at Seven Wire Ventures, an investor in some of the most influential and thought-leading health tech companies uh, in the country and maybe around the world. He's on the board of companies like Clover and uh, Click, I think it's Click Health, uh, um, and Home Thrive. And Lee, we're thrilled to have you on the program. Nick, thanks so much for hosting me. I can't believe you've done 15 of these. Amazing. I, I've had some guests. I've done some some one solo and just ranted, and it's been fun. But I've never had someone quite of your uh, renown, and it's honestly thank you for doing this. Happy to do it. So, Lee, I thought I would start because if we look at the last twelve thir- year, twelve months ish, maybe thirteen months now, where you know the big daddy acquisition in the health tech space was the Teladoc merger acquisition of Livongo, where you were chief financial officer. And then the other bookend just this last week is the $17 billion private equity deal for Athena Health, right? Um, Which personally (laughs) was not great for me because we were about to hire someone very senior from there. And that person needs to stick around because they're due for a windfall now. Um, But good for them that they'll make money. But... um, in the middle, obviously, there's been big and small from tens of millions to tens of billions. There have been lots of acquisitions and mergers and combinations, Talkspace and uh, Hinge Health and all these different companies. What do you think is driving that? Well, certainly there's been a significant increase in merger and acquisition activity over the course of the last 12 months, as you mentioned. And in 2021, um, if... Um, you look at some of the data that comes from folks like like Rock Health. Um, there have been some 220 deals that have brought companies together this year, which yeah. is more than a threefold increase from 2019. And, and what drives that in my mind is this notion of of platforming, um, the need for companies to establish themselves to build out a great offering, but then the clients want to see more. And the clients want one throat to choke, I like to say, in terms yeah. of working with a company that will provide for various needs. And if you're a small company dealing with a segment of what their needs are, that's great. But it's easier to contract with one party who's able to provide multiple solutions. So some of the companies that you see coming together, whether it's in the behavioral health space like, like Ginger and Headspace, um, adding more to the portfolio of things in mental health, what we did with Teladoc in terms of being able to add health to telehealth, yes. being able to share data about what's happening at a consumer level with the provider who sits at the other end of that video camera. Um, that's part of the rationale that's driving some of these transactions. And and so I, I completely agree. And, and you know, we, all, we, we both passionately agree on the point that horizontal integration is what's needed ultimately at the patient level, right? Patients aren't just diabetic, they're diabetic and they also have mental health issues and they're also human beings who need to get to work and all the different factors of their life that come together. 
from an investment thesis perspective, since you have both perspectives, um, are investors looking now for companies that are more horizontally integrated or still looking at differentiated vertical solutions that can later be a part of a bigger whole? Well, I think it depends on the stage of the investor. We're, we're seed and series A investors. And our thesis at Seven Wire is helping to support companies that allow all of us to become better informed, better connected health consumers. And we're trying to find companies that solve hassles that exist in terms of how it is that we access care and stay healthy. Mm. In that sense, we'll still invest in companies that are providing a solution in a particular area, but we think about where that company can grow longer term. Right. And and from our perspective, we don't look at an investment and say, gee, how quickly can it get acquired? We love right. to build companies for the long term right. and hope that they're the ones that, that acquire other companies. So case in point, you had mentioned Livongo previously. Um, Dr. Jennifer Schneider, our, our president, um, she coined this phrase, whole person health. And what she meant by that was exactly where you were going. An individual with diabetes may have other conditions that actually led to them becoming an individual with diabetes. Yeah. Maybe it was a weight problem that, that yeah. caused their type 2 diabetes. Maybe there's some underlying depression and anxiety that yeah. led to them eating to excess yep. that caused them to be overweight to begin with. So you, you start to see that there's a need for these various um, offerings that have to come together, which is why we acquired a company called My Strength, which added some of the mental health capabilities that we needed to address some of those challenges. Right. I, I think that you can start in one area, build trust with the consumer, and then add other offerings over right. time. And that tends right. to be the approach that we take. Interesting, interesting. And we've started to see some of these combined companies, Talkspace has notably been in the news um, with some struggles in management and stock price and stuff, but also Sachin Jain, who was at Caremore and now is at Scan, I think came out today or yesterday and said, we're going to see, I can't remember his exact phrase, but, uh, you know, fresh unicorns look like tired old horses, right? And also rans and retreads, right? Is is this year has been very frothy and it's great for entrepreneurs like me, but um, is some of the shine, are the expectations getting more stringent? Is, is 2022 going to be a tougher capital raising climate? Are we going to see more acquisitions, less acquisitions? What do you think? How, how does this play out over the next 12 months? Well, I, I think that the pressure to combine that I mentioned before in terms of creating um, uh, one-stop shop, more platform offerings will continue. Um, there's some broader uh, issues around Sachin, who's a bright fellow and a good friend. Uh, his comment, uh, unicorns turning into unicorpses. Uh, yeah, I think that was there's, it. There's this sense that, you know, many of the companies that had a, a lot of attention and high investor valuations won't be able to meet the growth expectations that the yep. market set for them. And therefore, some of the bloom will come off the rose. I think at a macro level, as we see rising interest rates um, and as we start to see a stock market correction, especially going into an election year, yeah. it might become a more difficult capital raising environment. Yep. And companies that have scale 
will find it easier to raise capital than early yes. stage companies, which will be an opportunity for some of the larger companies to buy smaller companies. Right. Whether that plays itself out fully in 2022 or we see it more in 2023 yeah. is something that we have to learn as we get into next year. And related to this, you know, a lot of in a lot of the tech world, right, there are they're the most common buyers, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, uh, Apple, Facebook. These are the companies buying you know, and they can afford big checks and they can afford to have some misses in the companies they buy, right? In in health tech, we've seen a lot of intra-industry stuff, but not even despite Amazon's big, big moves into healthcare and Microsoft's, we haven't seen them come and snap up a, a, a Teladoc or a whatever the case may be, which they could afford, you know, relatively easily, even their market caps, Right. Do you think it's because they want to stay out of healthcare services or because they don't see that breakout hit company yet that they must have? Well, let me maybe challenge you a little bit there, because we have seen some significant acquisitions. Uh, Microsoft acquired Nuance uh, for just under 20 billion dollars. Right. Um, and Dragon, naturally speaking, is one of the uh, great infrastructures that exist in healthcare to help no document care. Yeah, uh, you saw Amazon buy PillPack, a uh, billion-dollar acquisition. Apple's made a number of acquisitions, smaller in the space, but right. they've done a number of things. So I think that they'll continue to be active. We saw Walmart buy a telehealth company um, yes. earlier this year. So we're seeing focus in and around healthcare. Not to be ignored in this, are companies that have a focus in serving segments of the population like seniors. Um, yes. Best Buy has made a number of very large acquisitions yeah. in this space in terms of providing in-home services to seniors. And we'll see some of that consolidation continue, yep. I believe, from some of the non-traditional players. One that I want to make sure that, that you're also thinking about is Optum. Uh, United Health Group has Which been, has been buying everything in the space yeah. and, and certainly whether it's from data and analytics to other healthcare yeah. services, their acquisition of Vivify, you've seen change healthcare landmark, right? Landmark yeah. as well. So they've made some very large yeah. bets in the space. Yeah. So I would, I would, I, I would correct my comment. You're right to suggest that I, I think they're buying infrastructural, not Optum. Optum's buying everything, no, <laughs> but they're buying infrastructural companies, but not touch, not the services that most directly touch the patient. Perhaps because of regulatory stuff. Um, okay, another another question for you, uh, a second to last question, which is, and I assist every VC I've had the pleasure of having on my my program here, which is, you're a seed and early stage investor. If you had to pick one of these three things, team, traction, or idea, which one do you pr give the most importance to in investing? Team all day long. Absolutely. And, More than traction or idea. And, and so I, I think that a great team with a good idea is going to win out over a team that is so-so and has an unbelievable idea. Yep. And and especially at early stage, there's just so much that has to be done in terms of, of company pivot and being able to work with a team that's willing to listen and is resilient is going to be super important in terms of their being successful long term. Yep. 
So we, we bet on teams. Um, we can help them get the traction. And, uh, and the idea is one that oftentimes isn't one that's unique, but you're going to focus on great execution to win in the market. Um, it doesn't have to be an, an idea that is the only one of its kind in order to be yeah. successful when you're dealing with a market yeah. as large as healthcare. You know, this is, I, I said that I was talking to the group of students at USC a couple of weeks ago, my first in-person talk. I, I love speaking to students. It's my way of giving back. And, and I said this, I said, you know, everyone knows, you guys are business school students. Everyone knows the story of King Gillette, right? Created Gillette. And everyone sort of credits that he created the razor razor blade model of selling things. He actually didn't. He just did it better than anyone else who had done it before. And people think you're going to run out of ideas, but what you're going to run out of is great execution and people who can truly scale and deliver um, on a vision. Okay, so la I, I said it was my last question, second to last, but I'm going to ask you two quick questions and you can answer them both. Some of the, I'm not going to say any fun names because I don't want to put you on the spot or me because I'm going to be raising an A round soon. And believe me, your email is going to be first. But, um, but uh, some of the valuations being paid by some of the new entrants that are looking earlier in the venture world that typically haven't, and some of the huge venture funds, right, um, that are changing the LP model, are they good or bad for the space? Well, I think that there's been a tremendous influx of capital. We talked about the number right. of M&A deals earlier, but the amount of capital raised this year is more than was raised in the last two years combined. Yeah, it's amazing. And a lot of, a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's been a number of new entrants, yeah. later stage funds, private equity funds, hedge funds, yep. moving into this early market space. We've seen this movie before. Yep. That won't continue. Um, and so the same level of capital attracting some of these early stage deals won't be there again. Yep. It's not next month, but at some point in the future, that's the case. And, and a number of these ventures are, are trying to get money to work earlier to provide optionality for some later stage investments. Yep. Um, we have some great relationships with wonderful funds that are later stage investors who work with us because they know that we're spending a lot of time working yep. with these companies early stage and we'll help improve them longer term. Yep. And so I think that that model is likely to win out over the spray and pray approach that some of the investors have taken in the market today. Uh, I agree. And last, last question for you, Lee, uh, is three bold predictions for 2022. Um, so first, I think we'll see continued move towards more personalized care. There's a tremendous amount of data that's available. It's great that we have many ways that we're in a position now to track information that helps inform our health, including data about us um, from a social determinant standpoint that can be informative. So that's certainly one. The second is this continued move, what I call shift left, meet the consumer where they are. Uh, we want care everywhere. We don't necessarily only want care inside the four walls of a hospital or a doctor's office. And so the move towards home with some of our investments in companies like Home Thrive and MedArrive, one of our newer investments, um, will continue to be important in, in helping to meet the needs that we all have as consumers. Um, and lastly, I think there's a renewed focus coming out of the pandemic around health equity. And we can do better to close gaps in care and whether that's for underserved areas in our urban communities or rural communities, 
um, use of technology, remote patient monitoring, telehealth, yep. um, guiding people towards the appropriate level of of cultural journey like Consejo Sano does um, is really important in terms of helping to close those gaps in care. Yep. And, and I believe we'll see that continue in 2022. Awesome. And I will say, obviously, I agree with all three. I was writing them down as you said them, just to hear your words of saying it. As you shift to home, I've devoted the last seven years, I'll give the shameless plug that both Heal and Hey Renee are about home-based and more personalized care. And I think that it is more possible now than ever in a more digitally enabled environment. Um, I'm Nick Desai. Thank you to Lee Shapiro, my incredible guest. If you are going to do anything in health tech, learn this man and everything he knows, and you will be smarter for it. Um, thank you so much for being on the program. Thanks so much, Nick, and please send my best to Renee. Will do. Thank you. 